Well, good evening. It's our training night for the Healthy Discipleship Community, and tonight we're talking about defeating the power of unhealthy fear. This is a a very timely topic, I think, for many of us as we've been wrestling with just questions related to fear, maybe wrestling with some of our own fears and, and debating all sorts of things. And so tonight we're going to be looking at what Scripture tells us about defeating the power of unhealthy fear. And if you're joining us for the recording or if you're joining us for our live call tonight, we're glad that you're on the call or accessing the recording. But let me say this as we get underway here. First off, fear is something that we have all wrestled with to some degree or another. None of us is exempt from that. All of us have wrestled with some level of fear, maybe the fear of something bad happening to us or the fear of something that we love and appreciate being taken away or the fear of loss in some other category. This is something that we've all wrestled with to some degree or another. Now, I've met people in the course of my life who would probably tell me that that they never deal with fear and they never deal uh, you know, with, with this as being a, a prevailing emotion or response in their life. But I don't really believe people when they tell me that because I think that this is something we all wrestle with, again, to one degree or another. And when we're wrestling with fear, there are a couple ways we can respond to it. Some of us acknowledge our fears and hold them up to the light of the gospel and turn them over to the Lord. So that's something that, you know, that, that some of us are doing, um, and that's a good thing, and that's the right thing to do. Uh, others are remaining unnecessarily paralyzed by fear, and that's certainly not something that we want to do. We don't want to be uh, unnecessarily paralyzed by fear. We don't want to go about our, our day-to-day lives just living in fear continually, and then feeling like we're frozen from doing the things that we've actually been called and equipped to do. So Scripture addresses this. Um, now, let me, let me just throw this out there for consideration, even before we look at the Scriptures. If fear is a dominant emotion in your life right now at present, how are you handling it? So just think about that for a second in your own mind in your own heart, if fear is a dominant emotion in your life at present, right now, how are you handling it? And uh, another way we could kind of ask that question is, what are your go-to strategies? Because I think a lot of times people have strategies to try and handle their fear. Uh, In counseling circles, we refer to those sometimes as self-protective strategies, so ways that we try to protect our hearts or uh, keep ourselves from feeling any more pain or any more loss. But what are your go-to strategies for handling your fear? And, you know, it's probably even wise to ask the question, is the approach you're taking working? Is it actually working? Or is it something that... (laughs) You can see the deficiencies in it because it's really not working at all. So our our big question each week when we have these these training times, these coaching calls, is what does the Word of God teach us? You know, what does Scripture teach us? Because culture teaches us a variety of things that don't work and aren't wise and, uh, and really aren't in line with the will of God for us. But God's Word teaches us about the nature of fear and how we're called to handle it. And so we want to take a look at, so, at a, a curated sampling of what God's Word tells us this evening in relation to fear. 
and how we can handle it with the grace the Lord supplies. So I want to take a look at a few of these things, and I hope some of these principles will be encouraging to you. Certainly hope they'll be helpful to you if fear is something that you're dealing with at present, or if that's something that's kind of made a regular appearance in your day-to-day life, and you can tell that it's not necessarily something healthy that you've been wrestling with. And so I, I, I'm certain that some of these principles that God's Word brings up will be an encouragement to your heart. So I want to take a look at them together this evening. And the first principle that I want to talk about tonight is this, the fact that we are divinely shaped to overcome unhealthy fear. So just think about what I'm saying there for a second, even before I read the scripture that we're going to look at next. But we are divinely shaped to overcome unhealthy fear. Look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. In that verse, it says this, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So I'll read that for us again, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This scripture is revealing to us that we are divinely shaped to overcome unhealthy fear. A little bit of context here. Uh, the book of 2 Timothy is a fascinating book when you consider the context in which it was written. It's actually the last book that the Apostle Paul wrote right before he was executed. So here you have a man who very soon he understands is going to be executed, and yet he's giving counsel to Timothy on how not to be overcome by fear. Now, Timothy was a young pastor. Timothy was somebody that the Apostle Paul had been training and mentoring. Timothy was somebody that traveled with Paul and served alongside Paul and um, really just had uh, an, an aptitude for doing what God had called him to do. The Lord had equipped him to serve in a pastoral role. And, uh, and Paul had been part of commissioning Timothy in that role. But I get the impression when I look at some of the scriptures related to Timothy that one of Timothy's big struggles over the course of his adult life was that he wrestled with fear, that he tended to struggle with being timid at times or being fearful at times. And so you have the Apostle Paul trying to encourage Timothy's heart, and uh, he's explaining to him that, that God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So think about what the Lord did for Timothy, but think about it in a personal way, because the very same things that were done for Timothy in regard to our spiritual life have been done for us. The moment that we came to, to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit took up residence within us. And Scripture tells us that as He lives within us, we're not to be gripped with fear, but rather we're to live out the power and love and self-control that the Holy Spirit empowers. So you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, have been shaped differently. We've been divinely equipped to overcome unhealthy fear. We don't need to be gripped by it. And this was something that the Apostle Paul was trying to help Timothy to understand, but likewise, we're, we're encouraged to understand this as well, because we wrestle with the same things. I can look over the course of my life, and I could point out multiple times where I was gripped by unhealthy fear. And because I was gripped by unhealthy fear, there were decisions that I made that, that were impacted by that, that I think the decisions ended up becoming unhealthy or having an unhealthy component to them. 
and and I'm I'm sure that that others on the call tonight could probably testify to times in your life when you've been gripped with unhealthy fear. But when we look at the theological reality that's that's explained to us in Second Timothy chapter one, we're shown that that's unnecessary. I mean, we can go in that direction if we want to. We can be gripped by unhealthy fear, but we just don't need to be because the Holy Spirit lives within us. We have a spirit who gives us power, and he gives us, uh, he shows us his love and self-control and, and enables us to live these things out as he empowers us to do so. So keep that in mind. We're divinely shaped to overcome unhealthy fear. Something else Scripture brings out to us that I think is particularly important if we're in the midst of a season of fear right now. So if you're on the call with us tonight, and this is something that you've been wrestling with, or if you're listening to this recording, maybe right now has been a season where you have been dealing with an abnormal amount of fear. I I can tell you that in my role as a pastor, uh, I've been doing a variety of, uh, of counseling. I've actually had a little bit more counseling recently than normal. And I think some of it comes down to the fears that people are struggling with as we're dealing with societal changes and societal upheaval and, and all sorts of things that are going on right now that feel very unfamiliar to most of us. It produces fear. It produces fear in adults. It produces fear in children. And Scripture points out to us that we can request deliverance from fear. So if you've been wrestling with fear right now, please take this to heart. You can request deliverance from fear. Look with me at Psalm chapter 34, verse 4. This is what it says. The psalmist says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So I want you to keep that verse in mind for just a second and think about how we typically try to handle fear. Frequently, when we're trying to handle fear, we try to handle it in our own strength. We try to come up with some kind of strategy that can help us overcome it. And that seems logical in one respect, but then we begin to realize that we have limitations that really only take us so far. And here you have the psalmist saying, all right, in the midst of a season of fear, in the midst of a season when I was dealing with an abnormal amount of destructive, unhealthy fear, I sought the Lord. So he doesn't say, I sought my own wisdom, or I sought my own strength, or I sought worldly counsel. He says, I sought the Lord. So here you have an example of one coming before the Lord in prayer and seeking the Lord's intervention. And the psalmist here says that the Lord answered him, and the Lord delivered him from all of his fears. And I point that out to us as a reminder that we can request deliverance from fear. And I think sometimes we need that reminder because sometimes prayer ends up being our last resort after we've exhausted all other ideas, whereas Scripture seems to indicate to us that it should be our first resort, that we should be praying continually, as we mentioned a few weeks ago while we were going through some training times together. Prayer is something that should be never far from us as far as an activity that our hearts are engaging in. And here again, the psalmist says, I sought the Lord. I I looked to the Lord to intervene. And when I brought my needs before the Lord, when I brought my concerns before him, he answered me. And so he's saying this with confidence, too. I don't know 
I don't know if we wrestle with a level of confidence when we're coming before the Lord. Will the Lord answer me? Does the Lord care about this? Is the Lord going to think this is ridiculous that I'm praying about this yet again? But the psalmist doesn't seem to be struggling with those thoughts in that moment. In his fearful moment, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from that. And I believe as we look at this, we're being reminded that we can request deliverance from fear and maybe a, a, an, an even more forceful way that we can state that would be we must request deliverance from fear. We should request it. We need to request it. And again, the scripture tells us that the Lord offers us his deliverance. Now, something else that the scripture is very clear about is the source of deliverance. And during the course of Christ's earthly ministry, one of the things that he was making abundantly clear was that he was here to deliver us. He's, he's our deliverer. He's our rescuer. He's our redeemer. And in a moment, I'm going to read from John chapter 14. It's a very powerful chapter in the Gospel of John. But in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus reveals to us that through him we find perfect peace which is the opposite of destructive or unhealthy fear. Through Jesus, we find perfect peace. Let me read John 14, 27 for us. In that verse, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, during the course of Christ's earthly ministry, he would frequently get together with and, and train and disciple the small group of disciples that were with him, and he would explain all sorts of things to them. And some of the things that he would explain to them, they really didn't like when he would tell them these things. Uh, he, they did not like when Jesus would tell them anything about his upcoming suffering. In fact, it seemed to go right over their head. They seemed to ignore it. All they wanted to hear Jesus say was that he was going to establish his kingdom, and they really seemed to want him to say that they would have the privilege to rule alongside of him. They fully expected him to be their coming king. He, he certainly is, although they didn't understand that, that he came once and he's coming again. They didn't understand the two parts of that mission. So they were more looking toward the ultimate outcome and not the spot in uh, history where they were at. And so Jesus would tell them about things that were upcoming, and many of the things that he would say were probably a little bit startling to them, to the point where they either didn't want to acknowledge what he was teaching them, or maybe they even just wanted to ignore it, or maybe they were feeling fearful as he would explain certain things that seemed outside the parameters of what they were expecting. And so in that chapter, as he's speaking and he's communicating things that that mattered not only to that initial group of disciples, but they matter to us. He tells them, he says, listen, peace I leave with you. So he's saying that through him we find peace. And he tells us that his peace he gives to his followers, right? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And he he clarifies that the peace that he gives is not as the world gives. So think about the gifts that this world can give you or me. The gifts that this world can give either of us are things that can be taken away or can be corrupted or are not designed to last just as this world is not designed to last. 
And so Jesus tells us that we can find lasting peace. We can find perfect peace through him. And the peace that he offers is not like the temporary type of peace that this world offers. Sometimes this world says, I'll offer you peace. And typically what that what the world means in any sphere that offers that, it's basically saying, all right, I'm, I'm going to offer you an opportunity to experience the absence of conflict temporarily. So in a temporary way, you can experience the absence of conflict. But then eventually that will change. And eventually... Uh, what you've been banking your peace on will be taken away. And eventually the things that you grew acclimated to are going to become distorted. And Jesus is saying, that's not the way I offer you peace. That's not the kind of peace that I supply to you. And so he tells us, because his peace is not like worldly peace, his peace doesn't change, his peace doesn't end, he tells us that our hearts don't need to be troubled, our hearts don't need to be afraid because he is the source of perfect peace. He is the source of lasting peace. And if we have lasting peace through Jesus Christ, that means our hearts can find ultimate rest. And if our hearts are finding ultimate rest through Jesus, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be gripped or paralyzed by fear. We can walk in the boldness that Christ has given to us. We can walk in the confidence that he's present with us. We can walk in the knowledge that He ultimately is guiding our steps, and the peace that he offers is something that's real, and it's lasting. It's not just for now. It's for all time. It's never going to be taken away. Now, sometimes we forget to access that peace, and sometimes the peace that he offers us isn't on the forefront of our mind, and we certainly see that with his disciples. That wasn't always the type of thing that they were thinking about, even though they should have been thinking about it. But Jesus reminds us of this truth here that in him we find perfect peace because he knows we're forgetful people, just like his initial group of disciples happened to be. And he tells us, don't let your hearts be troubled. The way he says it here, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, because he's given us his peace. Scripture goes on to teach us something else. And I want you to think about this for for just a second. I'll make the statement that I'm going to make, and then I'll show you um, a portion of Scripture from 1 John chapter 4 that supports this. But the statement I want to make is this, or the principle that I think is taught here is this. Fear is evidence that we're forgetting the fact that we are no longer under condemnation. So even before I read that verse, I just want you to think about that statement. When you and I are dealing with unhealthy, unwise unbiblical fear. That fear is actually evidence that we're forgetting the fact that we are no longer under condemnation. Now, what does it mean to be condemned? Well, to be condemned in the spiritual sense means to be destined to spend an eternity apart from the Lord's glory, apart from his presence, destined to spend eternity still under the weight of our own sin. But yet through Jesus Christ, that weight has been lifted from us. Through faith in Jesus Christ, that burden was placed on him. And so you have the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, making a statement to that effect. And this is what he says there. He says, there is no fear in love. And he's talking about the unhealthy fear, saying there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. It's a fascinating portion of Scripture to ponder just for a moment. 
but he's saying that that perfect love casts out fear, that there's no fear in love, because fear has to do with punishment. So if you're fearful of being punished, you're going to react a particular way. Last night, we watched a, a movie with our children, and after the movie, we were talking about the role of government in our lives. And so we looked at Romans chapter 13, and in Romans chapter 13, it talks about the fact that if we're doing wrong, we have reason to fear the governmental authorities over us. If we're not doing something wrong, we have no reason to fear governmental authorities over us. And I think of that portion of Scripture from Romans 13 when I read what we just read together from 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Again, there it says, for fear has to do with punishment. So if we're walking in fear, that, that means we're, we're frightened of the fact or we're contemplating the fact or paralyzed by the fact that we think we're about to be punished or chastised or something wrong or bad is about to happen to us. Fear has to do with some form of punishment. And John goes on to say there, he says, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So he's talking about this idea of growing mature in our walk with Christ, understanding the nature of the love that we have in Christ, understanding that if we continually live in fear, that very well may be testimony that our relationship with Christ is not where it needs to be, because fear is evidence that we're forgetting the fact that we are no longer under condemnation. One of the things that I am most grateful for in my relationship with Christ, and I'm sure that, that many of you would testify to this very same thing, is that even though I know there's going to be a day where I'm going to stand before the throne room of God, I'm going to stand before the throne of God in his throne room, and I'm going to be judged, and you're going to be judged. We're all going to give an account for our lives. When that day comes, I'm confident of the fact I will not be condemned. I'm confident of the fact that I will not be cast away from the Lord's presence even though I have lived far from a perfect life. There are all sorts of things that, that people don't even know about me that only I know about me and the Lord knows about me that are things in my life that I am not proud of, things that I wish I didn't say, do, or think. And the Lord knows those things, and I know those things, but yet I'm not fearful of the day when I'm going to come before him, even though I know I'm going to have to give an account for my life because I also know that I'm no longer under condemnation. Now, that doesn't mean that I go about my life in such a way that I live in rebellion against the Lord because I, I'm not fearful of being condemned. Because when you look at this portion of Scripture, it's also talking about love. And it talks about this idea of, of maturing in love or growing in love, or the way it's phrased here, perfected in love. And as my relationship with the Lord has grown, as my love for the Lord has grown, what he's doing in my heart is he's taking those desires that I once had to rebel against him, he takes those away because I'm conscious of the fact that he loves me, and I, now I have the privilege to love him. As we looked at earlier, where it talks about the fact that I have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of love living within me, and if I love the Lord, I'm not going to rebel against the Lord. If I don't care about the Lord, then of course I'd rebel. But if I love the Lord, I'm, I'm going to try to walk with the Lord as he strengthens me to do so. And there's no fear in love. Fear has to do with punishment. And I'm no longer under condemnation, so I don't need to walk in fear. And if you know Jesus Christ, you don't need to walk in fear either. Fear has to do with punishment. If you know Christ, you're not going to be condemned. The goal, if you know Christ, is that you be perfected in love. 
And when we're perfected in love, when our love for Christ matures, when we recognize the nature of his love for us, that also impacts the level of fear that we go about our day-to-day, our day-to-day life embracing. There are certain things that we stop fearing. We stop seeing the way we used to see them because we, we fully trust that the Lord has our lives under his control. One other thing that I want to uh, point out to us before we get to our discussion time together, and that's this. Give your fears over to God, even in the midst of your most troubling valleys. Give your fears over to God, even in the midst of your most troubling valleys or seasons or low points. One of the most familiar and popular portions of Scripture is found in Psalm chapter 23. Uh, Over the past 22 years since I've been pastoring full-time, I've done many, many funerals. I have no idea how many funerals I've done at this point. Um, more than I could easily keep track of in that time. And uh, in just about every funeral, maybe maybe everyone, uh, I've read Psalm 23. And uh, in Psalm 23, verse 4, it makes this statement. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. Psalm 23 is loved by many people. And part of the reasons that we love that that psalm is because it portrays the Lord as a shepherd who cares for us, his sheep. And he looks after us, he protects us, he leads us in the direction that we should be going. He sustains us in ways that we need to be sustained. And he shows us that even if we're going through seasons like it describes here, the valley of the shadow of death, we don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be frightened. For most people, death is the most fearful thing they experience. And uh, we don't even need to be fearful of that because the Lord is with us. His rod, his staff, they comfort us. He's guiding us. He's directing us. So that being the case, We can give our fears over to God, even in the midst of our most troubling valleys. That that even when we don't know, I was like specifically how to pray. You know, even if we're in a moment where we could just make sounds, that that's sufficient. We can give our fears over to God. I was speaking to somebody less than a week ago who told me that that recently she was going through a season where the only prayer she could make was just a sound. She couldn't even formulate her words because she was hurting so deeply. And there are probably times when you've gone through seasons like that. I've definitely gone through times where I've had seasons like that. But in the midst of that, we don't need to fear any evil because God's with us. We could give our fears over to God. He is our shepherd. He's leading us. He's directing us even in the midst of our most troubling valleys. These are the type of of pieces of advice that Scripture gives us related to these things. This is what Scripture is encouraging us to understand and embrace, that we don't have to try and handle fear in our own strength, that we don't have to come to ourselves as our own source of wisdom and comfort, that the Lord is present with us, and we can hand these things over to Him and welcome the peace and the love and and ultimately the presence of God as a result of knowing him, that we could find joy in him regardless of our circumstances, that we don't need to walk in fear. Now, in, in just a moment here, I'm going to switch us over to gallery view, and we'll, 
we'll have some discussion time together. For those who are accessing these recordings, I want to encourage you to stop by healthydiscipleshipcommunity.com if you'd like more information about the Healthy Discipleship Community. You could also stop by my primary website, desirejesus.com, where you'll find a variety of resources that, by God's grace, I hope will help you grow in your walk with Him. They're certainly put together for that purpose, and I hope that you'll make you uh, make great use of them as they're accessible to you there. But now I'm going to switch us over to gallery view here and end the the screen share that I'm doing here with us. And feel free to unmute your your mics uh, as necessary. But I have a question for starters here. Now, we have a smaller group tonight on for our, our uh, coaching call live here. So please feel free to be uh, brave in your sharing, okay, uh, for the sake of those that are listening to our recording here. Um, when My first question is this for us. And by the way, feel free to chime in with any thought or comment or question that you have, even if it deviates from some of the things that I have here in front of me. But when are you most likely to experience unhealthy fear. You ever analyze that just in and of your own life or in and of yourself? Uh, Anyone have a comment about that? When are you most likely to experience unhealthy fear? Some thoughts on that. When I'm projecting. When you're projecting, tell me what you mean. Um, When I'm thinking too far into the future on how things might look or not look. Yeah. The, the what if scenarios, right? You know, do you ever, uh, is there is there a time of day where your mind races through those things? Have you ever noticed that about yourself? I would say for me, it's more in the evening. Yeah. W- when in the evening? I'm asking for a reason. I know it um, seems probing, right? I'm like, tell us what time, Desha. <laughs> no, it's good for um, awareness. So yeah, um, I would say probably like seven, eight, nine o'clock. Uh-huh. So as you're trying to wind down the day, basically. Yes. Do you ever have a spot where you're trying to go to bed and you just can't because you can't stop wrestling with the what ifs? Yes. Yeah, I've had that happen to me many times too. That's the time, if I had to identify for my own life, a time when I'm wrestling with it, it's also in the evening. And uh, for me, it would be primarily when I'm trying to tell my brain, go to sleep brain, (laughs) stop thinking about stuff, you know? Midi or that devil up there wants to... Yeah. Keep your head spinning and keep you awake so you're tired. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then the next day you feel weaker because you didn't get enough sleep because you're wrestling through all these what if scenarios and it's, it's, uh, it's not good. Uh, Anyone else on the call want to chime in on that? When are you most likely to experience unhealthy fear? It could be a time of day. It could be a season of life. It could be when you're surrounded by certain experiences or, or uh, different seasons of life. What do you think? Well, with this, uh, COVID, I too, I would have to say like, like at nighttime, like when you're trying to sleep and I've definitely experienced that as well. But with this recent uh, COVID situation uh, going on, you know, you know, my niece is a nurse, you know, and, and it's like, I was never, I didn't get afraid for myself, but I, I got I got afraid for her when this was going on. Yeah, you're thinking about she's working on the front lines trying to provide mm-hmm. care for people, and you're thinking, yeah. you know, is yeah. she okay? Is she safe? Right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. Uh, so circumstances, you, so you, that's the example you gave us there, which is a good example. The idea of it could be prompted by high stress circumstances, which is kind of similar to what we looked at in Psalm 23, right? Where, you know, it's talking about this idea of, uh, you know, like the valley of the shadow of death, like those low valleys, you know, those circumstances. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, James. Cool. All right. Here, here's, here's another question for us here. Um, what difference do you feel like it makes to have Christ in your life? What difference does, so in relation to fear, in relation to peace, in relation to any of these things, what difference do you feel like it makes to have Christ in your life, you know, as you're, as you're, as you're facing anything that may come your way? Well, when my head is spinning with the fear or the unknowns and, you know, the things that are out of my control, you know, just being like, uh, just the, you know, the, the ability to, to simply pray, you know, like, God, please direct, direct, give me, you know, like help me to rest in, in what you have planned for me. And, you know, like help me to just trust in what, you know, what you're doing, what you're planning, that you're, that you are working, that you are in control, um, just to redirect the spinning thoughts away from the what ifs or the worst case scenarios. And instead just like, uh, turn it toward looking to see, uh, looking or waiting to see what God's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Very it's good. a redirect, which is helpful, right. like in, in the moment where, you know, you focus on Christ focus. instead of your uh, yeah. stressors. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go for it, Desha. Um, I, I mean, I know the difference based on how I was living before versus now. And one thing that I absolutely love about having Christ and having my faith is that I have truly experienced peace that I've never had in my life, even through those, those hard circumstances. And I can get, I get really low at times, but thank, thank you God for what I truly know, because that's helped save me from myself at times. Mm -hmm. And um, even if I'm not quite feeling it, but my favorite verse, I think that helps me overcome these things. And even though it doesn't always hit my heart, because your head and your heart, there's that 18 inches. It's a long way sometimes. But, um, the John sixteen thirty three that we're guaranteed trials and tribulations, but he's overcome the world. I mean, right. He's overcome it all already. So why do I have to do this to myself? You know, it's human nature, but it helps take some of the edge off a little bit when I'm feeling that way. I mean, I realized before my whole life was fear-based. So everything mm-hmm. I was doing was based on fear, you know, fear of losing control, fear of um, what's going to happen, fear of even just the dark, whatever, you know, when I was right. young, any, anything like that. It's just, um, now I just, I can envision myself even if I have to at times being with Christ, him holding my hand or being at his feet, just kind of, or in his arms, like the lamb, you know, it just, it, mm-hmm. there's so many different ways that I can at different times um, use the peace that he's given. And I, I just love preaching peace because I just never experienced it before until I came in my faith. And it's just, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I wish, I wish other people could experience it. Yeah. That don't, it's just, oh my gosh. Isn't it fascinating too? Like you, you bring up, um, you know, uh, where Christ tells us that in this world, you, you will have trouble, right? Mm-hmm. 
you will have trouble. How infrequently does it seem that, that when the gospel is presented or when following Christ is described, that somehow we present it as if it's the absence of any conflict it's, or the absence of any trouble, almost like, you know, where Christ was saying in John 14, where he's saying um, that I give you peace, but it's not like the world gives. And yet, when we're preaching the gospel, sometimes we preach the gospel as if Christ gives us peace like the world gives. He's like, no, I give you peace that's not dependent on circumstances. It can be in the midst of all sorts of trials and all sorts of difficulties and all sorts of complications that you'll face right now. And he's saying, but I'm with you constantly. And, and somehow we think that we'll be treated better than Jesus was during our time here on earth. It's like, why do we think that? You know, we're bearing his name. We're following him. You know, we shouldn't expect any better treatment than he received. All we know is that on the other side of it, the Lord has good in store. Even in the midst of it, he's with us. The peace uh, that passes all understanding. Peace that passes all understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it, James. I'm, you know, really, without him, we truly can't do anything. And, you know, I, he refers to us as sheep for a reason but you know we got to remember that you know we're not just any sheep we're his sheep right and 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 he's going to take care of us yeah absolutely yeah he promises to do so um all right here here's a question for you to to ask or to answer i mean um related to your cultural observations but it might even be practical to think about your life before you came to know Christ as you think about this, all right? Um, what fears do you believe an unbelieving world wrestles with? So what are the primary fears that an unbelieving world is wrestling with or stuck in? Anyone have a thought on that? Control. Yeah, ex- explain. That could be one of them. Um, well, the lack of feeling like you're in control it can be can be frightening, and so they grasp at things that they can control or attempt to control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be that could be a good example. About rejection. Oh yeah, that's a big one too. Yeah, in what way, Don? Uh, just in in all ways to be rejected by uh, people that you want to, a group that you want to be a part of, uh, uh, somebody you're interested in, maybe from the uh, from the opposite sex. Uh, I think that's part of uh, part of the challenge with becoming a believer is that you're going to be rejected by the world, whether you know what that means or not. Yet it uh, it does happen. Yeah. Uh, don't want to be one of them Bible toting, you know, Jesus freaks or anything like that. So the fear of being rejected, (laughs) you know, you don't want to be rejected by the cronies that you're hanging with or whatever group you're in the muck and mire with, but rejection in general. And uh, I I would say as as someone who has worked with uh, teenagers in particular, that's one of the biggies that, uh, so we, you know, we help lead the youth ministry in our church um, and, uh, you know, as we're, we're, and we've got four teenagers in our home <laughs> and one of the big things that, um, 
our kids wrestle with and one of the big things that teenagers of every generation, including the generation, you know, uh, around right now wrestle with uh, is, is fears of rejection. So yeah, that's a great example. Any other fears that you think? Yeah, go ahead, Desha. I have a couple. Um, and this kind of goes along with the rejection, but fear of not fitting in, uh-huh. fear of not being good enough, fear of failure. Yeah. Um, so they're the three that came to mind, not being perfect. Um, right. Yeah, all sorts of things that can then can uh, contribute to a, a like an unhealthy narrative that we start oh preaching gosh. to our hearts. Fear of not having enough money. Yeah. I mean, you even bring it down to material things. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And, and those things can be paralyzing, right? I mean, you, you shared a good example of that, and I, I'm assuming you won't mind me mentioning this because you, you shared it online, so that made it public. Um, but I saw what you shared the other day, just kind of a testimony of things that you were wrestling with when you're a young person, you know, when you're, when you're like early teens maybe or something like that, um, where you were, you know, just like, it's just the most insecure time of life for most of us. And I I imagine that, you know, some of these things that you're describing here factored into kind of like your day-to-day life back then. It's like, you know, just swimming in fear. And when I think back to that season of my own life, it's like, yeah, you just find yourself just swimming in in all sorts of unhealthy fears that eventually when they grip, grip hold of us long enough, they have a paralyzing effect where you find yourself either preaching an, an unwise doctrine to your heart, an un, unbiblical doctrine to your heart that forgets who Christ is and what he's actually done for you. So you say to yourself, I'm rejected, and yet Christ looks at us, he says, no, I accept you. You know, you, you say, I might run out of resources. And Christ looks at us and he says, no, I'm going to supply all your needs. You know, you, you say, I don't know what's up ahead. I'm afraid of what's going to come next. And then the Lord says to us, what? I hold the future in my hands. I've got it all planned out. You know, it, and we think to ourselves, like, every one of these fears is irrational for one who believes in Christ. And so there's no reason for us to go back to it, but we struggle with it. But that's why I kind of threw out the, the question here, what kind of fears does an unbelieving world wrestle with? Anyone else want to chime in on that? Can you think of any other unhealthy fears that an unbelieving world presently wrestles with? There's, I, I don't know if anyone said it yet, but what do you think about this one? Just the fear of death, right? So think about the cloud that hangs over someone's head if they truly do not believe that there's anything beyond present day, that the life that they have in their physical body right here and now is all they have and all they ever will have. Do you think that that impacts the way certain people treat others or react to their circumstances or decisions they might make or, you know, how they interact with other people or even what, what they, uh, uh, you know, wrestle with as they try to go to bed at night? I mean, I, 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 you know, that's something that I think the longer we know Christ, the easier it is for us to forget because we don't live with the same fear of death that someone that has no hope beyond this life has. I'm not looking forward to dying. <laughs> you know, I, that whole process seems rather unpleasant to me. However, I'll experience it someday. But I'm not worried about what's on the other side of that. 
and that has a genuine impact. What are your thoughts on that? Like, like the difference it makes to know Christ in regard to not having to live in the fear of death. What, what difference does it make for you not having to live in the fear of death? Anyone want to chime in on that? I think that's a, a big one for us. What do you think, Kyle? Sorry for just jumping in. I was uh, finishing up some work and remembered we had the webinar. wanted to just jump in for a few minutes. Yeah, um, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you joined us. So, uh, yes, some new faces. My name is Kyle. I've been uh, friends with John and Andrea for a very long time. So, uh, anyway, yeah, nice to meet you guys. Um, nice to have you with us. What you had spoken about in regards to death is really interesting. I have a friend who uh, is, an, um, is not a believer. He's in his mid-60s, and a lot of his friends that um, – he's, he's an artisan, and a lot of other people that are in similar trades that have been lifelong friends are like – dropping like flies wow and uh we have a mutual friend who uh is he's a former pastor and we have discussions about it and it's just really interesting to see kind of how like our friend his name's Vinny, how his perspective just keeps changing that you can see the fear coming out hmm. and like that he's like you know when someone dies it's just this really big deal and like is he next and like you know he hasn't taken care of himself well he has he still has a kid in high school and like all these different things. Um, so he's very fearful and like really worried, like, and being self-employed, he, uh, just isn't leaving a lot behind either. So, uh, like just hasn't taken those steps. So, but, but as believers, uh, we rest in having peace knowing where, uh, our eternity is. And he's wondering, did I do good enough? Hmm. You know, there's no mountain for us to climb. You know, yeah. God came down off that mountain. Uh, right. So, and uh, you can definitely see it in, in non-believers, uh, just that, that wrestling, at least, at least I've seen it a lot. Yeah. No, it's a good example. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. Any other thoughts on, on how the, the fear of death really like hangs like a cloud over, over the head of one who may not believe? I can remember saying one time to somebody, um, because he mentioned about how he's, he doesn't want to die. He's not afraid to die. And, and I just remembered saying like, well, I'm not afraid to die. I kind of know where I'm going, you know? <laughs> and I don't know, he wasn't believe he's not a believer, but it's just like, I just remember that moment. Hmm. I feel like there was some kind of an impact made in that moment because it's so vivid in my mind, but um, it, it's just so reassuring to know that I can't, you know, the song, I can only imagine, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be in the presence of Christ the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Nothing better than that. Like, you I wish you th- come back already. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, geez. it's like like it says at the end of the book of Revelation, it's like, come Lord Jesus, come, right? Yeah. Come quickly. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's very good. Yeah, and Don, you unmuted there too. Yeah, I just was thinking of, uh, of unbelievers uh, and, and human beings in general. One thing I know about physiology is that the uh, – the last thing that the brain develops is the concept of consequences. Hmm. So I think uh, when an unbeliever, I'll speak for myself, when I was younger, I didn't really think at all. I actually felt like I was immortal and indestructible and, hmm. and didn't think about my actions and how they would affect my eternal soul and whatnot. So uh, whenever, and then the opposite becomes true because now I'm an old man and like, I'm falling apart. So my mortality is really right in my face nowadays. Mm. And uh, so then you have uh, 
you know, you know that uh, that fear starts to happen if you don't have the knowledge of where you're going, mm-hmm. and because of what we have in Christ. But now my fears are for my children who are, you know, late twenties, early thirties, mm-hmm. who still now think that they're indestructible <laughs> and don't care anything about consequences because they, you know, they're living a life that. Uh, they, they, they don't think much about, you know, the hereafter and whatnot. So uh, I can't, I can't imagine, I couldn't imagine how it would be like now with the things that are going on in our world today, how you even like get up and, 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 and venture outside of your, your house without knowing God. Uh, it just, I, I, I feel bad for people. What the comment I wanted to make was on that fear you know, when you're younger, you don't, you, you don't really think about that as much. I know personally I didn't because I wasn't really, and, and I heard it said most people uh, live like they'll never die and then they die without ever living. And I don't know where that quote came from, but it kind of makes a lot of sense, especially when you're not devoting your life to Christ and living for him and his purposes. Yeah. Good point. Very good. Very good. And yeah, that, it's uh, interesting how much how much of our our prayer time is spent praying for our kids. You know, we pray for these kids. We pray that they would come to know the Lord and walk with Him for sure. All right, I got one last question for us tonight, and that's this. It's kind of a summary question, you know, of, of all the things we've been talking about tonight in regard to fear, but it's also an applicational question because this is a very real scenario that. I'm sure you've already been presented with, but I've no doubt you'll be presented with again in the future. And that's this. Here's the question. What counsel would you give to a friend who feels paralyzed by fear? You know someone, you love that person, friend or family member, and right now they're, they're feeling paralyzed by fear. What counsel would you give them? What do you think? Any takers? Go for it. I would have to go with some scriptures that give me, uh, get me out of paralyzing fear. Like, you know, uh, Joshua 1, 9, you know, mm-hmm. be bold and courageous mm-hmm. from with you wherever you go. And, and, and the, there's so many examples of fear not. In fact, it seems like every time I, that somebody is, uh, in the presence of, uh, the Lord or an angel representing the Lord, the first thing they have to say is fear not because, right. you know, like John in Revelation, he fell as a dead man. And when yeah. Mary was first visited, it's like, seemed like, and even, the, you know, Moses at the burning bush. Sure. So, and Daniel, uh, you know, it seems to indicate that you know, Daniel like may have passed out. <laughs> so I, I, I think I would try to counsel in that, that paralyzing fear there, uh, experiencing right now might be a prequel to a divine intervention in their life and try to instruct them into how that'll like remove all fear. In other words, this mm-hmm. is where you got to be to get to where God's going to take you. That maybe, maybe the fear you're experiencing is God nudging at you and pursuing you to remove that fear from you. Good. Good example. Good counsel. Anyone else have some counsel you might give to a friend who feels paralyzed by fear? I love to just, um, when the opportunity 
presents itself to just remind people that something that God is with them, but that's sometimes not enough. But when you think about, he made, he made the heavens and the earth and he, he's, he knew you were going to be here before the earth was formed and he's got you in the palm of his hands and he's already ahead of you. He already knew that this was going to happen. You know, I, I think I'm right in saying that, but it's just, it, it's so comforting to know like, okay, he knew this was going to happen. All right. It'll be okay. I remember a pastor preaching when I was struggling, when I had first gotten sober and I came to my faith and I just remember him saying, it'll be okay. And that's all I needed to hear at that mm-hmm. time. And it just, oh my gosh, that, that it just felt like the world melted down around me and everything was okay. You know, and it was all God, not the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you don't need to hear a, a lengthy sermon. Sometimes just a quick word of counsel. It will be okay. Is all our heart needs. Go ahead, Andrea. I think something that's helped me is to, uh, rehearse or list or you know whether that just be mentally or actually writing it down or saying it out loud but the ways that God has provided in the past or the ways he's worked things out in the past like start start stacking up God's credibility in in the ability to um to work things out to you know to to take care of me to you know like mm-hmm. like God's track record is really good. And sometimes I think we forget that. And, yep. and so I think just like taking time to start rehearsing, like to think through, like he, like he did this, he did this, he did this. And, you know, if you're struggling with, uh, with answers from your own life, then go read the book of Exodus, like, and, and rehearse, like see all the times that God worked things out for, for that people group. And, um, it's just a reminder of it just, I think it helps us focus and realize and remember that God is far bigger than all of those things that we're afraid of. And um, he has and can and will take care of things and will has and can and will remain in control. And, mm-hmm. um, and that, and that has helped me like deescalate my own, like my fear in, you know, what's, what's going to happen. Good. Yeah. And isn't it, isn't it nice when we're, when we feel like we're at a weak spot and the Lord supplies us with a friend that can remind us of those things. Yeah. And there've been times that I've I've been like, I've, there've been times where I, (laughs) I've laughed at myself because I'm like, why, why do I think that this time he's not going to come through? Like, (laughs) He's, he always comes through, right? He always <laughs> comes through. Like, look, look at the things that the way he's worked things out previous time. So why yep. do I think this time it's going to be any different? That's not consistent with God's character. So, you know, Absolutely. just reminding myself of, of the ways that he has proven himself to be faithful. Over and over. His track record is good. That's great. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I've heard that's almost empowering? And it's, a, it's an awesome line. I, it's, it says, don't tell... Wait. Don't tell God how big your storm is. Tell the storm how big your God is. Yeah. It's just an empowering statement. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, it's 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 spot on, right? You know, it's it's uh just a sometimes we minimize who the Lord is and what he can do. And sometimes we forget 
the nature of his power. And again, you know, a lot of uh, many of our fears come down to us trying to control things that God already has under control. And, uh, and, you know, we, we uh, cast these, these fears upon ourselves instead of giving them over to the Lord. And uh, yeah, so I wondered, I, I wonder what kind of counsel maybe some of you would, would offer to a friend or a family member who's really wrestling with it. Because I'll tell you what, people uh, in general, you know, those of us on this call and those of us uh, throughout the world, we all wrestle with fear to one degree or another. And we all try and find a solution to it. And the solution ultimately is Christ. And, you know, we, again, he tells us that he gives us his peace. And so we're invited to walk in that peace. And the word of God continually reminds us of that over and over again. And so we have peace that transcends all our circumstances. And, and uh, that, that's a gift, a true gift that the Lord's given to us. And again, by his grace, he's given us the Holy Spirit, a, a spirit not of fear, right? The, the spirit who lives within us. Uh, ultimately reminds us of the love of God, the power of God, the self-control that he empowers within us. Uh, you know, these are things that, that Scripture reminds us of. And so I, I was hopeful that, that this might be something that would be edifying to our hearts today, because uh, this is the type of thing that I, I really think we wrestle with just in general as, uh, as people. And, uh, you know, James, I see your comment there in the comment section. Um, you know, the, the alternate translation of Timothy is power, love, and a sound mind, right? You know, putting our mind in, in the right spot, you know, putting our, our, put, putting, setting our thinking straight so that we're not consumed with unhealthy fear. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys joining our call this evening. I see that, that we're at the top of the hour here. Any thoughts or comments before we finish up? I just apologize for being late. I had a parish committee meeting. They go along. Yeah, they go. Oh, we know committee meetings. That, that's just how it goes. <laughs> but thanks for joining us. We're glad you're able to be with us. And Kyle, it was nice to have you join us on the call tonight. And, and yeah. uh, those, those of you that are uh, regularly on the call, wonderful to see you as well. I look forward to our, our weekly get togethers here. Well, I hope you guys have a wonderful week and look forward to getting together again next time. Have a great one, everybody. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.